Today's episode is with Julie Neal of Mother's Quest podcast. And Julie is an ex-client of mine. We helped her launch her podcast, Mother's Quest, which was a promise she'd made to herself that she would launch by her 50th birthday. And it was quite a process. Like anyone who's putting their voice out in a big way, uh, fear and procrastination and perfectionism can tend to rear its head. So today is an open, honest exploration into podcasting as a tool of expression, as a tool of activism, as a tool of impact, and how finding your voice, trusting it, and getting it out into the world can be your form of expression. It's my form of expression. And so I wanted to bring another podcaster to for both of us to explore what it's like to express yourself into the world through your voice and not as a singer or a musician, but as a podcaster. Really great conversation. So may I introduce to you, Julie Neal. Creativity. Expression and feelings. Creativity, self-expression and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. It's a podcast. Okay, let's hear it. Hello, Carly. This is Julie Neal of Mother's Quest, and I am so thrilled to be here with you. I'm a life and leadership coach. I am the founder of this amazing community, Mother's Quest and the Mother's Quest podcast. As my podcast opening, which you helped me produce, Mm -hmm. says I am the mom to two high energy boys who challenge me to grow into my best self. And more and more, I'm realizing that I am actually a creative person. And I'm stepping into more and more of my own creativity and excited to delve into that with you. Yeah. So what what I want to explore with you today is a bit about the podcast and about how you have, um, yeah, discovered your own creativity. But I'm also keen to explore, I know that um, Mother's Quest podcast is an amazing I would say I would call it as a, an amazing podcast as a form of like almost activism and uh, awareness. So I definitely want to dive into the work that you're doing there and with Mother's Quest. But could you start by maybe telling us a little bit of what led you to start Mother's Quest? Absolutely. I think that I was in the process of creating Mother's Quest from the moment that I, you know, even even started wanting to become a mother. I had a transformative motherhood journey. It started with a few years of infertility. Uh, And then when my oldest son, who's now 15, was born, we found out when he was about 18 months old that he wasn't developing like his typical peers. And so uh, from 18 months until the time he was three or four, I was very consumed with like every form of early intervention. Um, And going through that process of kind of letting go of expectations um, and really stepping into how can I just help him become the fullest expression of who he's meant to be. And then, you know, he's, he was thriving and he um, is today doing great, still have, still has some unique challenges, but he, um, he's really Uh, I think a poster child for the power of early intervention when we decided 
to get pregnant with the second child, we had about five and a half years of infertility. So what happened with me is at the end of like a decade of motherhood, all of a sudden I started to kind of look around and feel like what had happened to um, my own creative self and you know, fully claiming my own fullest expression. Yeah, I actually just wrote that down, <laughs> like about the, yes. the fullest expression piece. Like it, it sounds like you were very dedicated to having your son live to his fullest expression, but perhaps at the expense of yourself a little. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that I, motherhood in many ways caused me to lose myself it also caused me to find parts of myself that I never knew I had before, a courage and a resilience that I, uh, I didn't know existed. But I really, I really did lose sight a little bit of like, well, who am I really? And what are my dreams? And how can I, um, you know, maybe play bigger in my own life? And what do I really want to create? I think I was so focused on first of all, even just creating children. Like for some people that happens naturally, but for me, it was not an easy thing. And then once I had my kids, how could I really help them, you know, thrive and pursue their dreams? And I finally realized that uh, the most powerful way to help my kids to grow and to fulfill their dreams is to do that myself and model it for them. So that is, that's, was really the inspiration that was brewing inside me for Mother's Quest. But for a very long time, I felt stuck and um, this dream was kind of repressed. So vocationally, what were you doing before children? I was um, 20 years in youth development and community building, which also absolutely planted seeds for Mother's Quest. Mother's Quest was this amazing coming together of my motherhood journey and then my career journey. So um, as part of working in the for about 12 years, uh, as a staff member, I worked for this amazing youth development organization called Alternatives in Action and then worked for another five to seven as a consultant. Um, up until very recently. And um, in that work, we were working with young people um, who were coming from neighborhoods that were very under-resourced, that were dealing with a lot of challenges. And we were really encouraging them to step into leadership and to make a difference, not only in their lives, but in their communities. And the staff members knew that we could not be challenging young people to persevere and grow and really take risks and step into their leadership if we weren't modeling it for them. So we had this practice called adult reflection that I became, I was first a, a participant in for years, and then I became a facilitator. That was really the space for adults to learn and grow. And it was through that that I learned about this thing called coaching and went to get my own training as a life and leadership coach. So I was very much about creating space for adults to grow. Um, so we could model that for young people. And I think uh, it was it was that experience and of the power of that and the importance of that alongside my own experience as a mom that caused me to bring these two things together with Mother's Quest. That's so amazing. So was it as clear cut as that? Like when you, you know, because I find that so many people want to find, you know, their thing and their message and their their expression in the world. So they see their previous life as like a professional or as, you know, whatever the work label was for them. And then 
find it very difficult to kind of marriage that into life beyond those labels. So, so they kind of eventually, I find most people can't bring end up bringing things together and finding a path that's down kind of down the middle of what they used to be and and who they are now. Um, do you feel like? Like, was it an easy kind of thing or was it something that took a lot of self-discovery and experimentation and play in order to for you to meld the two together? It's so interesting because I feel like it was both. <laughs> uh, it, in some ways, it was seamless and I feel like there was just this like, constant integration happening. But then, as I mentioned before, in other ways, it was really, it felt challenging because I just didn't know how to I didn't know how to say yes to myself and to this idea. Like, I think I knew that this, that there was this coming together and that, that these two things made sense. And that I wanted to bring my experience of coaching and facilitating to mothers so that more mothers could reclaim their lives and their leadership and step into creating. But I was just, I was afraid. I didn't really see what the pathway was. Um, I had a very, uh, spiritual seminal story, which you maybe have heard, uh, but it, it was really like in a moment, which I call a spark moment that I finally really saw it coming together and was willing to take the risk to like put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And how did it look at the beginning? So in the beginning, I, I think you're a member of the B-School community, right? Yeah. 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 So you know, it started with me saying yes to B-School and starting to watch the videos and beginning to expand my vision of, oh, you know, it could look lots of different ways and it could be much bigger than maybe what I, I think initially I thought like, I'll just have a coaching practice. Uh, but it was starting to see how other people were expressing their mission and vision that started me thinking bigger. Um, and I I just wasn't sure where to start. I think I knew like I wanted to create this vibrant, interconnected community for mothers. I wanted there to be coaching programs. I wanted there to be inspiration. Um, and I wanted there to be, you know, community building opportunities. And I I just wasn't sure like what the first step was. So the day that I decided I'm going to do this thing, I, I did think that a podcast was maybe like the first building block. And part of why I felt it was that is that a key tenet for me was that we don't need to figure this out on our own, that I really wanted to, for myself, but then invite others along, learn from guides. And the podcast became this vehicle to basically bring guides on that I thought could help sh- uh, you know, shed some light on ways in which I wanted to grow or things I needed to learn to live what I now call my epic life and to do it on the podcast and to be very transparent about my own needs and my own journey. And then just know that if, if these conversations were providing some light and helping me, that I would trust that other people were also on a quest for some of those same things and that the podcast conversations would also serve them. And yeah. Okay. And so I just want to point out that B-School, for anyone who hasn't heard of B-School, it's um an online course by Marie Folio. So if you want to look into it, it's a, a great um, starting ground for online business, really. Um, 
And it's full of incredible people. So a lot of the people that you've heard on this podcast have actually been uh, connected to me through the magic that is B-School. So what, I guess my question is like, what made you say yes to that opportunity? Was it just like, you were just like, oh my God, I've just got to, I just got to do this. So, you know, like when you get to that. Okay. So often we make decisions from that place of like almost desperation. We're just so sick of hearing ourselves think about or talk about something that then we actually just have to take action on it. Was at that kind of space that led you to say yes and to yourself? Yeah. Oh, I've been thinking a lot about this because I've been recording these mini-sode episodes as part of something called the 100-Day Project. I don't know if you've heard of that. that. Tell me about that. Yeah. The idea that you just commit to something, some kind of creative process for 100 days. And I think they're supposed to be consecutive, but I'm all about releasing uh, perfection these days. And I'm I'm not following along at all. I'm, I'm totally, one could say I'm behind, but I've just committed to, I'm going to do 100 of these at some point. So I've started recording these um, episodes that's more about my own personal process because the podcast is a lot about me bringing on these guides and being in conversation with other amazing women and mothers. But in these little mini-sodes, I've been doing much more of a personal documentation of my journey. And in doing that, I'm noticing all these places where I said yes to myself along the way. Um, so in even before I said yes to B-School, I said yes to a creative writing workshop with Elizabeth Gilbert on my 44th birthday. Yeah. And that I think was, was really the start of it all. And I, I don't even know what caused me to do that. It was very out of character. I would not normally buy myself a ticket to something like that. I didn't know anybody. I drove, you know, not, not terribly far, but like a couple hours to Napa, which is outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, to go to this writer's workshop. And I just showed up and I didn't really know what I what to expect, but I knew that I was I had been compelled by a lot of what, what Elizabeth Gilbert would talk about in terms of the hero and heroine's journey and answering the call. And she had just come out with her book, Big Magic at the time. And I, I heard her probably, at, you know, speaking on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, talking about that book. And so I showed up at that workshop and it was an amazing day. And one of the things she had us do in the workshop was to write a letter of permission to ourselves. And it turned out that it was that letter of permission that I think started the process. And um, so that was the first thing I said yes to. What was was in the letter of permission? I'm curious to know now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, it's in my, we can link to my very first episode of the podcast. Yeah, cool. um, My trajectory episode and I read the letter. Um, But basically it was like, it was really about like reclaiming my life and feeling like I could live a life um, that was filled with like adventure and creativity and um, like the life of my dreams, the things that really mattered to me. And I like to talk a lot about like this idea of, you know, someday when, when I have hopefully grandchildren that I'm sitting with them. And I often like picture a porch in my mind, which is funny because I don't live anywhere where there's a porch, but I imagine like maybe sitting on a swing in a porch and telling them the stories of my life and feeling like, um, they're the stories of me saying yes to my own heroine's journey. So beautiful. 
So one thing I want to ask you about is perfectionism because um, it is one of those things that definitely stops many of us from creating and I know it has been a big piece in your own story. So what does perfectionism mean to you? (laughs) (laughs) Do I have a ready definition for perfectionism? I mean, I think that perfectionism is holding that there's like only one right way. Uh, that you're going to get everything right, that there's no margin for error. Um, And for me, I've been, as I've been moving past perfectionism, it's this idea that like, it's okay to share what's real. Um, It's okay to own like where you've made a mistake. Um, And what I've been trusting more and more, and you've been an amazing guide for me in this, is that what you feel like is um, a mistake or, you know, moving you away from perfection is so often actually like exactly where you're supposed to be or helps you stumble upon something so much better than what you originally imagined. So true. So when we um, go into a space where we're trying to create something, it's an incredible tool because like I actually wrote a post on Instagram this morning about like so many people tell themselves that they're not creative at all. But if you're an anxious person, then you're actually extremely creative because you can come up with 10 million of the, you know, of worst case scenarios for every single thing (laughs) you'll do in your life. But it's like, it's almost like it's unchanneled creativity, anxiety, you know, it's like it's there and it's going down a whole bunch of different pathways and taking us to all these different places. And if we can find some way to express that creatively in the world and channel that energy into creating rather than um, into like just going down the rabbit hole of our brains, then we can, um, you know, like, yeah, have some impact in this life and in this world. And I feel like that's kind of what... um, that's like almost because perfection almost comes from uh, like a self-judgment, really, do you think? Definitely. Yeah. And I think when I'm in the place of holding perfection, uh, I very readily will go to um, kind of beating myself up or replaying a tape of, you know, whatever it was that I did or didn't do that was not okay. Uh, and it's very, it, it's very self-destructive. I mean, it can really like, it can weigh you down and, and, and take away so much of the energy that you could be using for more positive, powerful things. And so what are some of the things that you've experimented with to overcome that perfectionism or to like, you know, not necessarily overcome it, but to like move despite it? Um, well, I would say being more transparent, like being willing to um, talk about the things that don't feel right and actually like believe that that's part of the gift, that that's part of what I have to offer. That's one thing, you know, owning it, noticing it, owning it, sharing it. Um, you absolutely helped me in just like noticing when you're going to that place and trying to like kind of rewire the thought process to a more positive thought. In fact, one of my favorite part things we recorded um, is 
what ha- can I tell the story yeah, yeah, about what totally happened? To go for it. Yep. <laughs> so I don't even know how long ago this was now. I had, well, you and Elsie Escobar um, of Lipson and She Podcast, you have both been for me incredible guides, you know, in life, but also for sure in podcasting. And um, when I didn't know Elsie as well, and I, I did know you because uh, you had been such an instrumental support to me in launching, I had you both on the podcast as guests. It was this idea of like, well, I'll have, I'll have both of you on at the same time. And at the end of that recording, I looked and realized that somehow I had never pressed record. Worst, worst feeling ever. (laughs) Awful. You know, like my heart was beating a mile a minute and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And, um, and it was, you know, having you both and your time on the podcast was a big deal. Um, and I, I felt especially bad for Elsie, who I think was juggling like so many things to be there to give me her time. And I could tell she was like a little bit annoyed. And, you know, at the end we were like, okay, well maybe we should reschedule and try this again. And you're like, I'm game for that. And Elsie was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. And then she had to go. Uh, I think she had to get her girls to, to sleep. And then it was just you and me on the line. And at that point I had finally pressed record and I was like about to just go into a deep downward spiral of, oh my God, I cannot believe that I did this and this is so horrible and what's Elsie going to think of me? And thank goodness you were there. And, you know, it it became like this little mini coaching session almost of you talking about how you've gone to those places before, how you have learned to stop yourself and to train yourself to, to have a more positive thought. Um, and you know, what we were talking about before this idea that sometimes when you make what seems like a mistake, there's something much better on the other side. And you really invited me to hold that possibility. Um, and I hope we can, we can link to this conversation. Yeah, Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. Because, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it happens to all of us, right? Like we all do things where, um, I just, I've done so many things where I've, uh, in, particularly in my 20s and maybe my early 30s, where I did things maybe under the influence of alcohol um, and I woke up the next morning with great regret and mm. embarrassment and, you know, and shame. And then I would just spend the next however long in a total shit spiral of beating myself up for being such a dickhead, you know, and and what i realized was it just didn't really it wasn't really serving any any anyone you know no one right. else really gave that much of a shit you know it was just like a, a moment that would have happened and they would have probably said oh she was drunk or whatever and and that would have been it but for me um you know i didn't really like myself so i was just constantly beating up on myself and when i got into this kind of I don't know, spiritual journey or whatever it is that I personal development journey that I've been on for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, it's been a slow process of like just going gently with myself and being kinder because that, that negative voice in our heads that, that goes straight into the your shit place does not Mm -hmm. serve your highest good. It doesn't serve the people around you to be like keeping yourself small and, and unexpressed just because you think you might look like a dickhead at some point, you know? Right. Yes. And and there was something that you did on that call about um, you had been reading some book and I, I don't remember the title at the moment, but it was something almost about like 
when you, the thought process almost determines what happens next. Mm. And you really planted this idea for me that like, okay, you don't know it yet, but there's, there's some reason maybe why this happened. And it just, it, what, what really matters is like, well, what do you, where do you go from here or what happens next? And you, you invited me to go to bed that night and actually hold the possibility that there was like something better that was going to happen and to not beat myself up about it. And I honestly did. It, it was, I think, a sign of my own growth too, but also just like what a gift it was that you spent that time with me that I did not stay in that place of like marinating in my mistake and, oh, what will Elsie think of me? And I can't believe I blew this. I did go to bed that night thinking, huh, well, I wonder what is supposed to happen next. There's probably something better. And sure enough, I went on to record two separate podcast episodes, one with you and one with Elsie, that I think was actually more, much more powerful than the conversation that the three of us had together. And each of them happened at like unique points. Elsie was just about to get an award and she really wanted to take her specific message about the transformational impact of podcasting beyond downloads and numbers. And so we were able to go really deep in that message during that time for her. And, um, and you helped me kick off my third season of the podcast with the conversation about like letting go of fear and being in flow. And, you know, so it really did work out. And now I have that experience in my thought process. So as I've made, you know, continued to make mistakes or more of those things have happened, I now can like root into and remember what happened this time and hold that like, okay, I don't know what, there's almost like an anticipation or excitement of, well, I wonder what's going to come with this mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that, I think that's the key is just that, you know, uh, curiosity, curiosity as to why, you know, because we, we really don't know the larger reasons behind why something works out or it doesn't. Um, So just, yeah, just trusting that, that you're where you need to be really, just gives you permission to be there, you know? And yes. in in this kind of like life that we've created as society, we're not it's not it's very rare for someone to be present to life, you know? We are always forward projecting or living in the past or whatever. Like um presence is uh you know, something that we cultivate for sure and something that um that is that is really the antidote to perfectionism, to procrastination, to anxiety. You know, if mm-hmm. we can stay present to where we are and how we're feeling and just not have have awareness but not judgment towards ourselves, then I mean what I mean, what could we create without that asshole in our head <laughs> telling us, you know, what um how shit we are at life. Uh, we could, right. yeah, like, I, I mean, that's the how thing. How much more free we can be. How much more free we can be, how much more impact we can have, how much more we can create, yeah, how, how much more we could enjoy life if we had a bit of space from that, from that, you know, voice of conditioning. What you're, as I've been listening to you right now, I'm also thinking about, um, you asked me this question about like my experience of perfectionism or letting go of perfectionism. And there has absolutely been, um, you, you talked a little bit about how my podcast is also a form of activism and I have all kinds of conversations on the podcast, uh, but there have been 
um, a whole string of them and, um, you know, a thread around stepping into more social activism. And um, in doing that, I've had to go into my own exploration of um, anti-racism and looking at my own biases and being willing to have uncomfortable conversations uh, in my life, but also recorded to share, you know, kind of stepping into a lot of new territory for me. And what has absolutely been essential for that uh, is being, uh, is the ability to hold a growth mindset. Um, and this again, like came from another one of my powerful guides before I started stepping into this work, I had uh, a woman named Nicole Lee come onto the podcast, um, in an episode that's called courageous conversations about race. And she gave me the gift of saying, you know, it, to, to, to do this work, you need to be willing to be uncomfortable and you need to let go of perfectionism. You're going to make mistakes. Um, and, and that is part of the process. Uh, and, you know, this idea of a growth mindset, I don't know if you've, uh, how much you've learned about this, but there's a, um, I think she's a Stanford professor named Carol Dweck who wrote a book about it. But, you know, we talk a lot about a growth mindset for our children and their own learning in school, that we don't want them to feel like they have to get everything right. We want them to be able to push themselves. We don't want them to just choose the, the work that feels easy and safe. But we don't often think about that again for ourselves. So holding a growth mindset is useful in so many places, but it has definitely served me very well in recording conversations um, with, you know, someone like Sabrina Fulton, um, uh, Trayvon Martin's mom. If you had, if you had told me like years ago that I would be in conversation with Sabrina Fulton and then share that publicly, I would not have believed it. And I think I would have been too afraid to do it. Yeah. So can you, um, you know, in because there's a lot of Australian listeners who might not be familiar with the story. Can you tell us a little bit about Sabrina and, and that conversation? Absolutely. Um, so Sabrina Fulton is um, Trayvon Martin's mother. And Trayvon Martin uh, was a, a black teenager who was killed by a, like a neighborhood watchman named George Zimmerman um, in Florida. And um, the, you know, the story was that George Zimmerman thought that um, he was a suspicious person. He was actually walking in the development where his father and his father's girlfriend lived. Um, so he has he became the the both the killing his his death, which was definitely um, you know George Zimmerman racially profiling him, um, and then because of the laws in Florida about stand your ground, um, he was actually, you know, allowed to get away with his death. Um, he went to trial and he was found not guilty. Uh, but he really became, um, the spark for the black lives matter movement, um, in America and Sabrina Fulton, his mother, who never in a million years imagined that she would be stepping forward as the voice for a movement. Um, I think she was an introverted person. She was a public servant um, that worked in, um, you know, like more of a management role. She has now become um, a powerful leader and a change agent. Um, and so I had the opportunity to interview her for the podcast. And um, alongside that interview, also raised money 
to send 10 mothers to her healing retreat, which is called Circle of Mothers. And I'm actually leaving on Thursday uh, to go to that. While we were in conversation, she invited me to come as a volunteer and an ambassador. So I'm going to be supporting her in that work of supporting other mothers who've lost a child to gun violence. So you really just like have no idea what's going to transpire, do you, when you... um when you answer the call. Right. Yes. What a gift. Honestly, it is It is unfathomable to me when, you know, I told you I had that day where I said, I'm going to create this thing, Mother's Quest. I could not in a million years have imagined the experiences I've had, the conversations I've had, the ways in which I've grown, the doors that have been opened, uh, and the challenging moments too, of course. But so much has shifted in my life in ways that I already feel like I have some of those incredible stories that I would want to tell my grandchildren. Yeah, and I feel like um, having known you as a client and as a you know human being, one of the things that I've always found so wonderful about you is that you 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 naturally have a growth mindset. You know, you're always open to learning. You're always open to being guided. That's a beautiful thing. It's something that I am not great. And I'm always open to learning, just not necessarily from yeah, others. Yeah, I'm about you. <laughs> um, but th- but that, that's one of the things that I love about you is that you are really open, you know, and you are really um, willing to be vulnerable. There was a podcast episode I remember. I can't remember uh, who it was with and my brain is like kind of all mush right now. Um, but there was a really great conversation that you had with a, ah, oh, with a black woman and you went to their, did you go to their church or something? Oh yeah. Um, this is, so I think you're thinking of my episode with Genji Heisten. That's it. Yeah. So Genji is, um, married to somebody that I worked with at that youth development organization. And so I've known for a long time and we're, you know, friends, colleagues, um, family friends. And she's really the reason why I stepped into doing this anti-racism work and starting to learn about how can I support uh, more police accountability and fight against police brutality and racial profiling. Because after the death of another black man at the hands of police officers in the United States, she came on to Facebook with this like an, just very emotional tears streaming down her face, Facebook Live, about what it feels like to fear for the safety of her black husband, black children, black brother every day when they walk out the door. And I could not listen to that and not do anything. I think for a long time I had been like, I would scroll by these you know stories and feel awful and then feel helpless, helpless and, and powerless. Know what I could and, do. Yeah. And just kind of scroll on by, but this particular plea from her, this emotional connection, her vulnerability made it so that I couldn't continue to do that. And I reached out to her. And so our podcast episode was the continuation of the conversation I had when I reached out to her. And we really grapple on that episode with like, well, what can we do, you know, as a black woman and a white woman who are um, heartbroken about what's happening, what might we do? And we realize that one of the things that's true is that um, when we don't know one another, we have fear and uh, that it's 
you have to also not just like say that you want your, your kids to have relationships with people who are different. You actually have to do it. you you know, this, we keep coming back to this thread about, we need to be modeling what we want for our kids. And so Genji and I made a commitment to like, let's be around each other's, you know, dinner tables. Let's be at each other's places of worship. And so I went with my kids to, um, at the time she and her husband were also ministers and had a black church. We went to a service there and then they ended up coming to my son Ryan's bar mitzvah that year. So I think that's the conversation you're thinking yeah. of. And it was just, I just found it so beautiful. You know, your willingness to just go, you know, yeah, let's do this kind of thing. Not like leading by example, not just, um, you know, lots of fluff and words, you know, there's actually heart and soul and um, action behind the work that you're doing in the world, which I really admire and I really respect you for. Um, so a few times you've mentioned Spark um, mm. and I know that you've got like on your podcast artwork you have you had like a little sparkler thing, don't you? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk to me about like what what is Spark? So I think that we have moments in our lives, and I call them spark moments, that can become a catalyst for some powerful change if we're willing Mm. to slow down long enough to actually stop and make meaning of those moments. So as I mentioned, I think this idea for Mother's Quest was brewing for a really long time, and I had finally um, created a Mother's Quest workshop. And I think, so it was probably like in that, in that 40, my 44th year, maybe it was after I went to that creative writing workshop and wrote that letter of permission. And after the workshop, I didn't really know what to do next. I felt very stuck and I didn't do much with it. And then like a year later, I signed up for B-School and I started to get some ideas, uh, but I still felt pretty trapped uh, by my own, probably perfectionism. Um, and there's and also, just, I, I know that feeling, right? Like I know that feeling of having created something, had it had it go kind of well, maybe like a little challenging or, you know, a little uncomfortable, you know, overall be quite pleased with it and then just kind of not do anything further. Do anything. Yeah. And I don't know if it's yeah. like, I, I think for me it's probably a fear of um, failure or like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I didn't, I, I, I wasn't clear about the path and I think I was afraid to try and put myself out there. And so I just didn't do anything. Um, and then I did sign up for B-School and I, I started to have, I think, some ideas, some bigger picture visions of what could be possible, kind of, you know, s- s- moving around in my head. And uh, we had dropped my older son off at school one morning and my little guy, who I think was like three or four at the time, we walked into the house. And as I was walking into the house, I saw a Facebook reminder that said, you know, it's been a year since you invited people to your Mother's Quest workshop. And I had that feeling of like being totally trapped, like kind of disgusted with myself and disgust is a harsh word, but I think that's how I felt. Mm. Like, oh my God, I cannot believe it's been an entire year for this thing that I know in my bones I'm supposed to create and I've done absolutely nothing for it. That's what like, that was what played in my head. And we walked into the house and no more than two seconds after I saw that 
um, reminder and had that feeling, we heard a crashing noise. And it turned out that a bird had somehow, like in the time that we opened my little front door and brought something in from the car, had flown into my house and was crashing against the glass windows that look out on our garden. And we kind of freaked out. It was really jarring. We ran upstairs and then I came down and I took a deep breath and I'm like, okay, all I need to do is just open my door and I think this bird will fly out, Uh, which it did. And I stood at the doorway for a moment and thought, this seems like a fitting metaphor (laughs) for what I was experiencing. Uh, Maybe I just need somebody to open a door for me. And I think I would have definitely just gone on with my day and maybe nothing would have been different, except that a couple seconds later, I heard crashing again. And I noticed also that that first bird wasn't flying away and it was just like hopping on the deck and I thought maybe it hurt a wing. And this time I knew exactly what to do and I opened the door again and this second bird didn't fly out right away. It went like very slowly and it just sort of hopped out slowly enough that I grabbed my camera and took a photo of it. And this time I stood at the door and I thought, okay, universe, (laughs) I think there's a really a message here for me. And maybe there was like a second bird because you didn't think I would actually pay attention. And so I remember like putting Jacob down at the table with glue and paper and like whatever would just keep him occupied. And I sat and typed out this Facebook post. And I just decided in that moment, I'll open um, the I'm not door. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait anymore. And I realized that nobody is going to open the door for me mm. if I don't open the door first and walk through myself. And that was the day. And I've been all in on Mother's Quest ever since. So that logo that you um, that you know of and that's on my podcast art, it is the spark, which was really that experience, but then me stopping to make meaning of it. And the spark, if you look closely, actually has two birds. In yeah, it. that's right. It does too. How beautiful. Yeah. So now you know the story. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That's so lovely. Okay. So the other piece that I want to um, talk about is, um, you know, you have, so you have a framework and I would love to quickly explore the framework. And I guess I'm curious as to whether you are a framework person. What is your definition of a framework person? Well, a framework person is like, I have friends who are like, you know, anytime they are doing something, there's like a framework to it. So, (laughs) and I can be kind of framework-like, but I don't have like neat pillars or anything like that. Maybe I do. I I probably do. I just haven't really um, written them down or, you know, committed to them as, um, as, uh, no, I wasn't going to say like hardcore as, um, yeah, I just haven't committed to them as much. So, you know, like, I guess if my framework is really my values, you know, so I kind of know what my values are and I do my best to live in alignment with them. And I guess that's a framework too, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and so, but then I also have other friends who are just like, you know, they've always got, um, I'm trying to think of what the word is, but you know how you've got like the epic thing um, yes. where you have like the letters and like, what is that called? An acro- acronym. It's an acronym that's mnemonic. It. There you go. <laughs> I am terribly shit at that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm always fascinated by people who who can just kind of like, yeah, yeah, connect to it and create this, the neat framework. So I would say that I have never created a framework before I created this one. <laughs> awesome. 
I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But this does feel like it's very foundational and it has become really an anchor for everything Mother's Quest. Yeah, sorry, um, because I'm so curious about this. So, so how did how did it come about? And then I do have another question about like, oh, but I'll wait, I'll wait for that. I just basically want to explore also like how you, you know, even because what I find is that my message evolves over time. So, for mm-hmm. example, like even just the the start of this podcast, I kind of don't really know what I'm doing when I start something. So with make some noise, I just got the words make some noise. And I was like, yeah. oh, I want to create something with that. And I knew it was going to be a podcast. I didn't really know what it was going to be about, but I kind of just went, okay, so it's kind of about creativity, self-expression and um, mental well-being. But, and it, and it still is, but it's kind of evolved more into like, you know, creative self-expression and as a byproduct of that, feeling, you know, good about yourself really. Um, but yeah, but like, like so I guess sometimes I'm afraid of like creating a framework to stick to because I'm not really all that great at sticking to things like that. So, um, yeah. So I guess that, that's really two questions, but we'll start with um, <laughs> like how it came about, how you came about with the epic thing and what it means. Yes. Yes. Um, first of all, I realized I forgot to say something important about the bird story, mm-hmm. uh, which is that. Um, after this happened, because I had the photo, I went to look up well, what kind of birds were these. And it turned out that they were mourning doves. And if you look up the symbolism of mourning doves, uh, they tend to symbolize motherhood. Wow. And they mate for life, which is why the one bird didn't leave until the other one came out. So I have also, like, whenever I start to feel like, what am I doing? Or, you know, like that sense of imposter syndrome or resistance or feeling like I'm, you know, it's not growing to the vision that I held. Mm -hmm. I just will always tap back into this story and um, the birds and feel like, again, like in the same way I could never have imagined that I would be interviewing Sabrina Fulton or going to her retreat this weekend. I could never have imagined that story. I never would have even have like just come up with that. And so I have to, I really trust that there was like, there's something meant to be about me following this path. And that was like this little cosmic sign to help me, you know, keep the faith when things are feeling hard. I love that. So it's kind of like the anchor that, um, that you can come back to. Yeah. And, and I, and I love that idea of having something like that, you know? Um, yeah, that's a really cool, I mean, I understand the concept of like having an anchor to come back to, but I guess sometimes I'm a little shit at actually coming back to it. (laughs) Mm. I think you have those stories. Yeah. Like I I think of the story, you know, that you shared on the beach the day that you were like ready to say no to all of it. And then what transpired for you after that? Yeah. That's probably one of your anchor stories. Yeah, that is so true. And yeah, and yeah, I guess that that is a big piece of it. You know, it's like that just surrendering and trust is a big part of um, my own personal work in the world, Um, you know, for myself. 
because I have been a control freak throughout my life. So like coming back to surrender and trust is actually like it is, it's a cornerstone of my life. So now you're making me think, yeah, mm. you're not giving yourself enough credit, Carly. You really do already have <laughs> you do. your own framework. <laughs> but this isn't about my framework. It's about yours. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll answer your question about um, uh, what what it means to live an epic life and how I came up with it. Uh, so another thing that I said yes to, like this series of yeses after I said, okay, I'm going to create Mother's Quest, then I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And how do I express like what I mean by this? The name Mother's Quest had come to me like Make Some Noise came to you. Like I always knew that was the name, but I didn't know what the tagline was or um, I didn't have like a fully fleshed out. I didn't have a framework. So I signed up for um, Jonathan Fields of the Good Life Project, yeah. uh, who was another guide for me in the sense that I I was very inspired by his podcast. Um, he was doing something called Manifesto Code, which was this um, coaching program. He was in the process of writing his book. Um, I forget exactly which one it was called, but it was like a the good life um, project book that was like a bucket and talked about like how to live a good life. Yeah. And he was writing a manifesto for that. And so he similarly was like, well, I'm grappling with this. I'll be transparent about my process. I'll invite other people to come along as I'm writing and they can write their own manifestos. Uh, so I said yes to that process and was um, grappling with trying to express what this was that I was trying to do with Mother's Quest. And um, I don't know if you know Harmony. Uh, she used to work for the Good Life Project. She may still be part of their um, their community, but she was one of the key people um, supporting us in the Facebook group. And she and I were having a back and forth about what it was I was trying to do. And she kept like sort of rephrasing what I was saying and, and would say, I think you're maybe wanting moms to live like a more balanced life. So not have it only be about their kids. And I remember getting frustrated and like typing on the computer really hard. Like, no, it's not about a balanced life. Mm. Like it really is. I want them to live an epic life. I want their life to be filled with like the great epic stories that are all the things that matter to them. And th the same thing came up that I already shared that like when you're a grandparent, you're telling the stories of your life and it's all the things that really mattered and where you didn't let fear stop you. Um, and so then I was really playing with this word epic. And, you know, of course it's like teenagers use epic and there were lots of reasons to say no to epic, but I felt like it was the word that most captured this idea of saying yes to your hero or heroine's journey and answering the calling. So it started there with like, I think, you know, even though it's maybe not perfect uh, and people have different interpretations for me, epic captures like living your life in a deep, big, meaningful way and answering the call. I also felt like that didn't alone encompass what I was on a quest for as a mother and that there were these things that I was always feeling challenged by and that I wanted to learn how to do better. And so I think it was like midnight. I'm a night owl. I had you know, typed this re response to, to Harmony and then I sat at my kitchen dinner table with a napkin and a pen and wrote E-P-I-C. And thought, well, maybe it could also be an acronym mnemonic. Let me see if the things I always say I'm on a quest for um, would fit. And I wrote E and then thought about the first thing I'm always 
trying to figure out, which is um, how can I be engaged mindfully with my children? So E was for engaged. And then the next thing I always am thinking about is how can I also have an impact beyond my family? So I wrote P, passionate and purposeful impact. And then after that, it's like, well, if I'm doing those two things, how do I care for myself and sustain myself? So I wrote, I invested in myself. And then the last letter C, uh, uh, I wrote connected. And it's about how can we be on our journey, but not feel like we have to figure it out ourselves and actually learn from others, but also share what we're learning with others. And it literally flowed out, but it was like months of struggling to express what I wanted to express. But then when the time came, it was just all right there. <laughs> uh, isn't that funny? It always is. <laughs> um, so, <Thank> God. <laughs> yeah, all you got to do is surrender. Uh, yeah, that's so easy. So um, I've got a question for you. And that is throughout this whole journey of, you know, going from being a mum feeling really trapped to creating your own epic life, because I feel like this is, this is not just a word for you. It's actually your life. Um, and you are leading by example with it. What I'd like to know is when it comes to, you know, every, everything that you've done, everything that you've created and everything that you have, um, built with Mother's Quest, what have you learned about yourself? I think I have learned to use my voice. I've learned I have something to say. I, I've begun to trust the path and the process and the unfolding, and I'm better at slowing down to notice the signs and to make meaning of them. I. I think I'm better at recognizing my gifts and noticing when they're, uh, when I'm bringing them forward. I've gotten much better about asking for help. I do it all the time. <laughs> um, what else? I am one of my early podcast guests, uh, Lynn Johnson and Allison Shannon um, of at Spotlight Girls. They talk a lot about learning how to take center stage in your life. Mm, that was a great app. And I, yes. Oh, you listened yeah, to, yeah, that, I one. Listened I to that one. That. Yeah, I remember that one. Give me feedback on that one. Um, I think for a very long time, well, first of all, I'm the youngest of, of three girls and I have two sisters, five and 10 years older than me. And they both have very big personalities and a lot to say. And so for a very good portion of my childhood, I was pretty much quiet. Like I can, I can picture myself like with my, my chin on my hands at the dinner table, like literally just watching and listening. Like I was just observing a show. And I think it took me a long time to realize that not only do I have something to say, but I also can say it out loud because I, for a long time, I thought, well, I'm a really good writer, but I can't communicate verbally. And I'm just starting to really own that I have something important to say. I can often say it in a way that is clear and meaningful and inspiring and that can impact others. That is amazing because it is so 
true, right? Like if I think about um, just my own journey with finding my own voice, it really is through using it and then learning to trust it that you find it, right? Yeah. And it's still a process. I, I still have doubts or, you know, think how many times, I don't know if this happens to you, have I recorded an episode and thought like, well, I really blew that. I think I for sure mm. thought that was Sabrina Fulton. Like, oh, well, I just really screwed that up. And then I'll listen back mm. and yes. realize <laughs> I was just like so caught up in myself. Yeah. Like most of the episode is creating the space for her to share her story and her brilliance. And I did just fine. <laughs> But so I still have those moments, but I'm getting better at trusting and I'm getting better at releasing um, the negative thoughts when they come up. Yeah. Um, I have this thing that I've spoken a few times about on Carlosophies, which is, you know, so so often when we're in something, we're also in the anxiety of it or in the self-doubt or in the whatever. And then on reflection, it sounds different. And um, uh, there was this really great exercise that I did with my singing teacher last year where she had asked me to play the piano and I'm not really great. It's so funny because I'm I'm okay because I've learned to trust myself in this kind of scenario so I can run a conversation completely off the cuff. But when it comes to other things, I have to understand how in order to do it. And mm. she had asked me to tell a story using um, just the keys of the, of the keyboard and, you know, it was a story about like going to the beach and sitting there and it being really amazing and, um, you know, sun shining on your skin and just like feeling the breeze and then like a storm starting to roll in and then like the wind blowing and and then eventually just going back to calm. And I, I was like, oh, God, I just don't know that I can do it. And I was so stuck in my head. I don't know how. I don't know how. Like, I, I don't know music, so I can't, you know. And then she was just like, just give into it. Just just create the story. Don't think about it. Just be in it. And um, and so I did it. And she said, how do you think that went? And what would you give yourself out of 10? And I said, oh, probably a four. And she goes, okay, so now I want you to listen back to it. And she hit play and we listened back to it. And it was like. It sounded like somebody who knew what they were doing on a piano. Oh. It was like, oh my god! And she goes, and she goes, that was you. And I was like, oh. She goes, what would you rate that? And I said, I'd probably rate that like a nine. That was actually really fucking good. Oh <laughs> and and god. so it just taught me that in the creation of it, we can think something's a four, but on reflection of it, it is often way more perfect than we could have even anticipated that it would be if we're willing to trust and just be in in it you know um so we we can't be the judge and the creator um mm. we 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 get to choose which one we want to be and so for me when it comes to expressing my work into the world I'm choosing to be the creator not the judge and uh oh, that's really powerful yeah and and then just trusting like I'm who am I to judge what's happening here you know, it's for the person who's listening to this conversation and hopefully having some shifts that I, I can't even anticipate what somebody needs, you know, and it's quite presumptuous for us to do so. Giving someone the freedom to come to something and have it be what they need, whether it, it means that they turn the podcast off because it's too waffly or it's exactly what they need to hear in order to give themselves permission to find their own voice. Um, you know, we, we can't be the judge of what we're creating and the creator. We have to commit to one and I choose to commit to the creator, you know? Mm, 
That's so powerful. And I had just like tears in my eyes imagining you at the piano. Oh, I cried. Like oh, when I finished, it was like, it was just such relief to not be in my head oh. and just be in the creation. I was, oh my God, it was like, uh, I'm covered in goosebumps just thinking about it. It was a moment of freedom wow. from myself and something that I've worked to recreate on a daily basis now, you know, like that is my commitment to life is to be present to it because that's when we create magic, you know, when we're actually present to it and we're not in the, in the um, critic seat. So yeah. yeah. Would you share that in the Mother's Quest community? Absolutely. I would love story? to. I would love to. I would love to, <laughs> to have that there. I, I can't wait to listen. So speaking so of the know. Mother's Quest community, I know that you've got, you know, it's Mother's Day coming up and, um, and you have a manifesto challenge. So do you want to tell everyone a little bit about that and where they can connect with you? Yes. So um, you can connect with me at uh, mothersquest.com. And then I have a Facebook group. If you put in Mother's Quest uh, community, you'll find it. And there's a Mother's Quest biz- business page too on Facebook is definitely the easiest way um, to find me. And in the private group, uh, the week after Mother's Day, I'm going to be doing a five-day challenge that I'm calling the Mother's Quest Manifesto Challenge. And basically, the idea is, um, you know, for me, creating the epic framework was my manifesto. So I never did write the manifesto I thought I was going to write this it, like long document <laughs> with Jonathan Fields, but I created the epic framework, which has become so important. Uh, and I really want that for every mother. I want every mother to feel like they can reclaim themselves and claim what matters to them because, you know, I think epic has uh, definitely resonated with a lot of people but it may not be the thing that resonates for others. So on Mother's Day, I'm going to be um, inviting people to say yes and then uh, to come on over to the private Mother's Quest group. And then I'm going to be just giving prompts and sharing some videos and inviting some guests. And you have already said yes. yes. To come in and talk about different ways that we might want to express our manifesto. So for me, it was in the form of writing, but I have an amazing friend, an artist, Jen Jenkins donor who last year created this incredible piece of art for her manifesto. Uh, For someone else, it could be a poem or a song, but just like different outlets for expressing this and then letting it be like we were talking about, like an anchor for you as you continue to journey through motherhood and life. So I have this ambitious goal that someday I would love for there to be 1 million mom manifestos shared with the hashtag one minute mom manifesto um, out there in the world and just, you know, to have it be like a a spark uh, for mothers to be uh, just really claiming how they want to live their lives during this time that we're raising our children. And you've just reminded me, I took part in the one minute Mum manifesto. Um, the first one last you did year. was it last year or the year before? Yeah, so it was last year. And um, this idea actually, what well, I had been thinking about it, but I interviewed someone named Graham Seabrook, um, who's amazing. And in our conversation, so much actually just unfolds on you know in conversation. Mm. And by the end of that conversation, we had co-created this Mother's Day challenge. So last year was the first year that we rolled it out and some people participated. Um, but you know, speaking of like letting go of perfection, it wasn't the like 
you know, groundswell of people saying yes to it at the time. Uh, but I am just trusting that like over time and when the time is right, more and more people will say yes to it if it resonates. Yeah. And we often can't, you know, we often can't, um, yeah, if we just tried things once, then we don't really have any concrete, you know, evidence to support that it doesn't work other than like wrong timing or, you know, whatever. Um, I think it is really important to show up. I mean, if it feels like a, oh God, I never want to do that again. You've got your straight up answer. If it's a full body, yeah then gross. Mm. Um, don't do it again. But if it's a like, oh, that was a little bit disappointing, but I still really believe in it, then, you know, there's no shame in giving it a second go, a third go, a fourth yeah. go, a fifth go, a sixth go until it, you know, actually Around does again. happen. Um, do you remember what your one minute no, mom manifest? No, I don't. We'll have to go back I'll, and look it up. I will. I'll have to dig it out. I might see if I can find it and share a link. Um, but maybe this year you're meant to do a song. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, totally freaky. But maybe, maybe I could. I'll have a think yeah. about it. Um, okay. So I also just wanted to mention before we head off that uh, Julie Julie's podcast can be found where you're listening to this. Um, unless you're on my website, <laughs> then there'll be links in the blog post. Um, but if you're, you know, you'll find Mother's Quest in any good podcast app. So definitely... If you're interested in hearing Julie's expression in the world, then um, definitely go over and subscribe because there are some really impactful, meaningful, um, very much needed, yeah, conversations in your back catalogue and they're definitely worth exploring. And if you've loved this, then you're going to love that. <laughs> thank you, Carly, for sharing. No worries. And thanks for coming and on. And also, I, I need to just thank you. Thank you for helping me to create it. Oh, if I had pleasure. not found you, there's a good chance I might not have brought it out to the world. So <laughs> I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful for you to being open and willing to like consistently put yourself out there, you know, because it is scary and it isn't um, an easy thing to do. And you just do it over and over and over again. And um, yeah, and I want to acknowledge you for that. So thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to work with you too. You know, it's, um, it's, it's always a great learning experience working with other people. They often teach me just as much as um, as I teach them. It's like a reciprocal thing. So thank you. You're so welcome. And that's a wrap. Go to carlynimo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some 